today in Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Ephesians 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. A little intimidating, but I'm among friends, so <laughs> let's do this. Um, it was October of 1985. I was 26 years old. It had been just nine months since my husband of three years had died of colon cancer. I was traveling with my father-in-law and my sister-in-law. I was lying in my hotel room devouring a new little uh, small uh, New Testament. It was given to me by a newlywed couple introduced, who introduced me to Christ on the flight from LA to Hawaii. I was devouring what I was reading. Though I was raised in a religious and loving home, I'd even memorized some scripture in the King James Version of the Bible, I found this New Testament in a more contemporary language to be the most fascinating thing I'd ever read and I couldn't put it down. When I got to Romans, the eighth chapter, and read these verses that Maggie read for us earlier, I was slayed. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that we can't express. I was so overcome with tears, I couldn't read any further for a few days, I needed to just take in for the first time that I was encountering a God who was overwhelmingly loving. A God so loving that when I couldn't even figure out what to pray, his spirit would intercede for me. And for some reason, that verse just struck me. As an infant in my Christian faith, I got kind of hung up on prayer. In the home I grew up in, we prayed all the time. Dinner time, bedtime, times of crisis. In fact, my earliest memory of praying was um, for my older brother, who was probably about 10 years old at the time, and he really loved playing with matches. 
The two of us were hiding under the bed as the fire engines came screaming down our street, and I was earnestly praying he would not have to go to jail after he'd set the field behind our house on fire for the third summer in a row. God answered that prayer, and he did not go to jail. And while I'm very thankful that I have this heritage of prayer from a very young age, I just didn't want to pray like I had when I was growing up. I found the formality of the language was not meaningful, and it kind of just seemed rote and insincere. And as I tried to pray, I found myself intimidated. And so I would return to this verse in Romans, when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit will intercede for me. I would apologize to God and say, I don't know how to pray, but I want you to teach me. After I came to faith, I had been praying that God would protect my heart and protect me from getting into wrong relationships since I'd just lost my husband. It wasn't long after that that I met Dennis. We dated for, oh, about a month, and it was clear to him that I was marriage material. It wasn't as clear to me at that time, um, and so I started earnestly praying um, to know God's will. And I remember saying, Lord, I know I ask for your protection, but this is really soon. Um, and really, I'm okay on my own as long as you're with me. But if it's your will for me to be married, don't let me miss this opportunity. We've now been married 29 years, so I guess he was the right guy. Um, and I was blessed as our girls were growing up to be primarily a stay-at-home mom. And I was able during this time to devote a significant amount of time to being in the Word and praying. Attended lots of Bible studies, and, you know, we were working really earnestly to be a God-centered family. We prayed for our daughters. We prayed for their health, for their friends, their decisions, and that they would love the Lord more than anything else. And I found myself in a place of just wanting to continue to grow in prayer. <clears throat> so maybe 17 years or so ago, I had the opportunity to attend several seminars on prayer, as did many people in this congregation. And I was able to participate with different groups praying in all kinds of different circumstances and settings. I was also in youth ministry here for um, several years, and on the way home from a mission trip one summer, if any of you remember Ryan Vanderpool, he looked at me and he said, is praying like on the top of your fun chain? <laughs> and I said, yes, Ryan, it is. <laughs> um, I remember a time when um, I was working with the senior high girls, and for the first few minutes of every group, they took turns on the chalkboard designing a tattoo they thought I should get with this theme of the fun chain and praying somehow. <laughs> it never happened. Um, but through many years of joyfully praying and really surviving by praying and turning to God, here are some of the things that I have learned on my journey. First and foremost, Prayer is about my relationship with God. It flows from that relationship. Legalistic praying for the sake of praying is not fun. It's lifeless, and frankly, it's boring. Prayer is God's idea, and it's his command to us. But it comes from that loving place in his heart that so desires to be in relationship and communication with us. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, he says, When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, go into your room and close the door. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. He doesn't really make prayer sound like it's optional. 
It's important to him because we're important to him. And scripture is full of promises that he listens, that he stoops from heaven to hear us, and he longs to give good gifts to those who will ask. He will withhold no good thing from us. I think I struggled with prayer because I kind of struggled with my perception of who God was and how he felt about me. So many things can affect our perception of God. Um, The circumstances in our lives, wrongs that have been committed against us, how our families worked, what our earthly father was like, and what we've experienced in church. And for years, I perceived God to be kind of like this great accountant in the sky. He had a big ledger sheet, and there was a list of right and wrongs, and I was always in the red with no hope of getting in the black. He had a stick, and every time I did something wrong, he kind of bonked me on the head to say, ah, you blew it again. Uh, Intellectually, I would have said, yes, God loves me, but I did not feel that in my heart. In my heart, I felt like I was just a big disappointment to him, and I felt powerless to overcome many sinful habits. I was fearful of many things, and I just felt like his love and acceptance were always going to be just out of reach. I wanted desperately to be fully surrendered to him and to be used by him somehow. I wanted to be living in that abundant life with Christ to the full measure in me. One of the things I prayed for over time was just to know God more and love him more. And I asked him that he would increase my vision of him and what he had planned for life and that he would increase my capacity for him. And through many experiences, he definitely answered this prayer. One time in particular, I was listening to um, a talk on the love of the Father. And at the end of the talk, there was a time for prayer and meditation. Now, I am not saying that I had, you know, necessarily God appeared to me or that I heard his audible voice, but somehow he impressed some phrases deep into my heart things that I desperately needed to hear. And they were words about the depth of his love for me, words of reassurance that he was not disappointed in me, and that he had never been ashamed of me. Not only did I have a new and deep sense of his love, but I had a sense that he actually liked me, that he wanted to spend time with me. And it was a life-changing experience. I could not wait to get up in the morning and spend time with him. And fortunately, I had lots of time to do it. My motivation for obedience completely changed, and I just wanted to love him and love everybody around me. I wanted to tell everybody how crazy God was about them. And I couldn't get over the fact that he loved all of us so deeply and so completely, even knowing my thoughts. Yikes my motives, my words before I speak them. Still, he loves us completely. And you know, I think if we even have a fraction of willingness to turn to him and seek his will, he will take that and he will blow our minds. He has works planned for us using our personalities, our passions, and his spirit. So I knew I was called to more than this previously defeated, powerless life. And my excitement was hard to contain. It changed the way I worshipped. I wanted to literally dance down the aisles. The revelation of his love had me praying all the time. 
I would be out for a walk and I'd be praying for my neighbors, for the community, for the country. I'd read the newspaper and I'd be praying about the situations. I'd look at the and I would pray for the grief that the families represented there were going through. I even started watching television at times <clears throat> and praying for the people there. And my girls said, Mom, you've gone over the top now. This is pre-recorded. Nothing's going to change. <clears throat> and when I felt fear creeping in, I would turn my heart to prayer. And I remember the verse, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But God, I feel a little bit terrified about preaching. You asked me to do it, and in faith I said, okay, so now I'm trusting that you will do it through me. I find that praying scripture back to God is really powerful. I figure if he said it, it's his will, and I can stand on that. And this kind of prayer has changed me and filled me with faith. So first, prayer is about our relationship with God. And secondly, prayer is a dialogue. I know this is not new information, but it was kind of, to me, a revelation that it was not a monologue of me just listing everything I wanted and needed. And what I learned is that God is a talker. He wants to communicate with us even more than we want to communicate with him, and he wants us to show us what his will is. And he will give us as many confirmations of his will as we need to be sure that that's what he's calling us to do. He promises to be our teacher, our guide, and our counselor. Confirmation often comes from other people. Most of the time, for me, it has come directly from his word. And then comes that sense of peace, or sometimes there's that sense of joy or excitement about what he is calling you to do. Um, one example of this for us is when our girls were looking at colleges, we would often, as many of you have, uh, take summer trips and look at various schools. And when we were doing this with Bryn, it became very clear to her where she was called to go and where she really, really wanted to be. And I felt very confirmed, very similar to her. Dennis was on a little bit different timetable. It was an expensive school, and he had in his mind where he thought she should go. Um, and so we prayed about it, and I knew that one of the three of us at least was going to have to have our hearts changed. Um, and as luck would have it, or blessing would have it, um, God changed Dennis's heart, and Bryn had an incredible experience where she ended up going and met her darling husband there. And God totally provided. You know, sometimes we ask for so little. We need to remember that we are praying to the God of the universe. He has unlimited resources. He knows everything. He sees everything. And as the Ephesians verse, Ephesians verse says, he's able to do way more than we can even imagine that he might be able to do. So ask for God to increase your capacity for him. It's a prayer he loves to answer. And because prayer is a dialogue, listening is key. And listening to God is an adventure. It takes time. Part of listening to God for me was trusting that he would actually speak to me. And he has in a thousand different ways. Leaning on his promises in the word is powerful. Ask, and you will receive. Knock, and the door will be opened. I was challenged during a particularly difficult time in our family when all I could do was pray and pray and wait 
and wait. I desperately wanted answers. I needed to know how my child was doing. I needed wisdom in dealing with the situation, and I needed to know that she was going to be okay. The answers I wanted were not coming on my timeline, but over and over, God would provide reassurance to me in this one refrain. I have her. I have her. And though I want to know every detail, it is enough for me to know that he has her. A wise friend to me said to me during several of these challenging times, begin to thank God for what is. Looking for what God is doing while we wait and turning our hearts to praising him and thanking him is a powerful antidote to fear and our tendency to lose hope and fall into despair. Thank him for what is. He is busy while we are waiting, and he sees a much bigger picture than we do, and there is much more at stake than what we see. I've heard it said that God is weaving a beautiful tapestry of our lives. He sees it from above, on the right side, if you will, where it is beautiful and the picture's complete. We see it from underneath with all the strings and knots hanging down, and it can be difficult to even make out what the picture is. But he is working all things together for good. I'll close with just a few thoughts about praying for someone in need. It's a great gift to be prayed for by someone in person. There is no time that I feel more loved by my husband than when he prays out loud for me. Sometimes it's just a general prayer for my day. Sometimes it's more specific. Sometimes it's hard to ask for prayer. It takes some humility and a willingness to be vulnerable to be prayed for. But what would happen if you were just talking to someone and they were telling you about a difficult situation or something they were distressed about, and you said, can I pray with you right now? Most people won't refuse a prayer. Sometimes it feels scary to do that for someone. If it feels scary, grab another person. There are multiple people sitting in these benches right now who would love to pray for you. It doesn't have to be a long, formal prayer. All you need is a little bit of genuine concern for that person, a sense of God's love for them, and a little faith. Just shoot a quick arrow prayer and say, God, how do I pray for this person? You don't need a lot of words or a lot of wisdom. God will do it. Significant and deep healing can come through prayer, particularly emotional healing. I've experienced this myself, but I've also witnessed it with others. Receiving a special touch from the Lord and healing prayer is powerful. Much of this healing comes through forgiveness, I have found, both in receiving forgiveness for what I have done, but also the willingness to forgive someone else who has done something that has been hurtful to me. And holding on to this unforgiveness creates kind of a logjam. And it seems to me that when I've been in that position, it's been hard for God's word to get through. It's been hard for me to receive healing. But once I let go of all that angerness, anger and bitterness, the logjam clears and I'm able to see God more clearly and I am healed. Forgiveness is not a feeling. If we wait until we feel like forgiving, it will never happen. 
Forgiving is not forgetting. You may never forget what happened in a hurtful situation. But forgiving quickly before we nurse and rehearse and make a mountain out of a molehill is so freeing. And a forgiveness also does not mean that we let someone off the hook who hurt us deeply. It means that we take them hanging on the hook and give them to God. Vengeance belongs to him. Forgiveness sometimes means that you do need to set boundaries in the future. But mostly forgiveness is simply an act of our will that says, I forgive you. I have survived many relationships, many difficult situations. By the second something comes out of someone's mouth, I say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. (laughs) Prayer is at the top of my fun chain because God continually blows my mind as I pray to him. He always hears. He always answers. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes wait. And sometimes with, I have so much more in mind than you do. It's an unspeakable joy to be in the presence of God, praying for others, as well as praying for our own sphere of influence. Pray with me. Lord, thank you that the curtain has been torn and that we have direct access to you and that you command us to come to you because you love us so deeply. Lord, I pray that you would put in each one of us an overwhelming desire to come to you and to talk to you. And thank you for the promise that you always hear, you always comfort your hurting child. You give an abundance of wisdom. How we thank you and love you. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.